0: Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. In this episode we get to talk to a wonderful individual. She is a trailblazer and the episode today is titled The Pursuit of the American Dream by a Latina Trailblazer. This individual, she is an immigrant who came here with a dream chasing it and along with her parents has been able to succeed despite all obstacles that she encountered. You will definitely be touched by the story of her early upbringing, the dedication she has put for achieving success, the hours of work that she's put in. This individual, her name is Luisa Mendoza. She is not only a successful individual, but she is also a founder of one of the first tourism and sports media Welcome, Luisa Mendoza, to Success Innovation. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. Thank you to the audience, to the listeners of the podcast, as well as the YouTube video watchers. Uh, Today, I have the wonderful opportunity of interviewing a very interesting individual. This individual's name is Luisa Mendoza. She is the founder, as well as the CEO of Global Tourism Sports and Entertainment. She is the first, the first U.S. Hispanic female to create a sports, entertainment, and tourism company, which will revolutionize the way these entities are monetized. Welcome, Luisa Mendoza. Welcome to Success Innovation. Thank you for agreeing to do an interview with me. Thank you for being here today. How are you?
1: I'm great, Lazaro. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show today. Truly an honor to be here today with you and all of your audience.
0: Thank you, ma'am. And, uh, you know, we're going to get started with a quick question about a brief background on who you are, where you were born, and, and, and your early stages, per se. Can you kind of walk us through that briefly?
1: Sure, absolutely. So I was born in Bogota, Colombia, um, and my parents, uh, this is now late 80s, wanted to, of course, make sure that their little girl had an opportunity to excel and and to have El Sueño Americano, the American Dream. And so they left everything behind, careers, titles, family, culture, to move to the U.S. so that I could have a shot at the American Dream. And and that's where the whole story starts.
0: Right. So uh, for the audience, for the listeners, you know, this is pre DACA, pre the Dreamers Act. So this is going back to there's no real affirmative action active at this point when she's coming back over to when she's coming over to the United States. So, this is truly an an immigrant story of picking up everything and going over to a different country essentially with no, no safety net essentially. So at what age were you what, how old were you when you actually came over?
1: I was four years old when we uh, moved to the u s and yeah, it was very humble beginnings. Um, you know I remember moving here and having nothing where our first dining room table was a very fancy cardboard box. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just saw my parents work so hard, three, four jobs to make ends meet. Um, My father went from being a very successful executive in Colombia, working his way up to become president of the bank where he was working. My mom was an entrepreneur and they came here and they had to start over cleaning houses and offices. And, And that was my beginnings because at night after school, my parents would take me and they would sit me down so that I could do my homework while they cleaned offices. On the weekends, they would take me to clean houses with them. And so you know, I never had those lavish summer camps or those uh, vacations, um, but that's where my that's where my drive and that's where my inspiration comes from. Because I saw my dad and my mom work so hard. You know, my parents are much older. I'm a miracle child. My mom was told for 10 years that she was never going to have a kid. And the same doctor that told her, ma'am, you're never going to have a child was the one that delivered me. So, um, yeah, talk about conceived a fighter. (laughs) Right, exactly.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: So I was like, God, you know, like I saw them just work so hard and and that was my commitment to my parents. You know, I said, Listen, you guys gave up everything, you know. My father was like Mr. GQ in Columbia, dressed in a suit, shoes shined every week, you know. And then he he literally gave that all up so that I could have this American dream. And and so by the time I was around eight, ten eight or nine, I said to my parents, I said, Listen, I have one one promise that i that i want to make to you guys and that is that i am going to do everything possible to make sure that you guys have the american dream and that was my drive that was my only purpose people were like, you are going so fast. By the time I was in high school, I was already in an academy called the Academy of Travel and Tourism, trying to make sure that like, you know, I was just on a, on a, on a road to success. And um, I remember being in college and one of my professors telling me like, listen, you need to slow down because if not, you're going to crash and burn. And I was like, I wish I could slow down, but my father's already almost in his 70s mm-hmm. and my mom, you know, she's up there in age and, and I can't see them work like this. So for me, you know, time was always of the essence. I, my mentality was work hard now and I will play later down the road, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really that's kind of um, a little bit of, of my background there.
0: Right. So... Uh, let me go back to when you guys were still in Colombia. Your dad was essentially a GQ. You know, He was on top of the world. He was the president of a, a very well-known bank over there, I am assuming. And he was really well off. Now, what made them decide or make the decision of dropping all of that and picking their four-year-old little daughter and saying, let's move over to a different country where we don't where where she doesn't know the language, where we will essentially go in without a, a, a well-off job and start from the ground up. Yeah. So what actually took place in the eighties? So
1: yeah, so um Colombia was not what it is today in the eighties, you know, it's almost like New York City. Let me take you guys back, right? So Colombia had a lot of uncertainties back then. the 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 guerrillas, the politics, the economy. There was just so much instability in the country. Gladly, today Colombia is doing phenomenal. Um, and yet, at that time, you know, I admire my parents. And for me, that that has been always true definition of love is putting others before you. Because you know, my father was a few years out from retiring in Colombia and he could have said, all right, we're, we're good here. But my dad and my mom said, there's more to her. Right. And I think the whole story of me, not my mom, not being able to conceive a child for 10 years because scientifically it was impossible for her to have a child. And so I think my parents always felt like God had a bigger purpose for me in this life. And that perhaps the U.S. was where I could achieve that. Now, we are very blessed that my mom is the oldest of seven children and um, one of her siblings uh, had moved to the U.S. and so had her brother. And so when they moved here, they realized like that there was just so many more opportunities in the United States um, when it came to their children. And so I am so thankful that my aunt and my uncle moved to the U.S. and that they moved to Florida um, because they really inspired my parents to say like, it's time to get out of our comfort zone. If we want our children to excel, we gotta get out of our comfort zone and that's how they came to be here.
0: Right, fantastic. And I'm gonna go and dig a little deeper on this one because I think it's very interesting and very important for the audience listening and watching to understand that a four-year-old normally doesn't really remember a lot of things if their life is essentially stable and normal. But for you, at four years old, there was that situation where you essentially were transplanted into another country. So that, that was essentially a, a really rude awakening for you as a child. And all of a sudden, what are your fondest memories and what are the most difficult memories of you coming over to the United States at that time?
1: wow that's uh, such a powerful question um because yes, there was a lot happening when i when I came here, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> I remember I had a little doll and going through the airport and just knowing that we were coming here and being so confused as to well, why are we leaving now? you really touch on a very personal topic here because my mom and my dad um you know, while they wanted to do all of this, I knew that the sacrifice for my dad was twice as hard because my father had been married prior and he had a daughter and a son in Colombia. Um, and I love my brother and my sister so much. Like you would never tell that we live apart if you see us together because we are unified and it just says so much about their mother um, and, and everything. But when I went to the airport, my brother and my sister were at the airport and seeing my father say goodbye to them that was so emotional because i got it even back then being so little that my dad was saying bye to two of his kids and in a way i was like why am i being taken away from them like There was, we say in Spanish, la sangre tira, right? Like the blood just pools. And I knew that these two people, while I had not really spent so much time with them, that this was my brother and my sister. And so I was being taken away from them. And so I remember just holding on to my doll and being so confused. But then getting on the airplane and getting to the U.S., and seeing all of my mom's family, which I was meeting a lot of them for the very first time. And then I'll never forget the next morning waking up and of course we had a a beautiful celebration that night and we danced and, you know, your traditional Latin party. But the next morning, the first thing for me of the American culture was cereal. (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay all right yeah We don't eat
1: cereal in the united in in colombia you know we have and and eggs and and all of these other things and i just remember like my whole family like literally everybody was around the table and i had this plate (laughs) and i was eating the cereal and i was like i like it I like it and every and and so thank you so much for taking me back to that moment because that was something that I had not remembered in so long
0: (laughs) yeah no and that's you know that's part of the that's part of the transition transplanting culturally we we are born and we might come from different countries and that that period of time really is embedded in our memories even Our subconscious really has it and we can really rely back and go back whenever we need to, if we really want to recall it. So, But those memories, regardless of how young you were, really come out and essentially are marked as an individual when you're transplanted. So thank you for that, for sharing that with us. Um, So you mentioned that you were always interested in being able to go ahead and make your parents proud of you. So was college, uh, pursuing a college education always something that you wanted to pursue? Or was that something that was pushed on by your parents?
1: So my parents were so busy working. You know, the only thing that I ever saw was they said, I had to grow up very quick. Um, And, you know, it's funny because, again, going back to, I always knew that, I just, I needed to be successful. And, you know, it's always, it's been said to us that going to college will help us become successful, um, to have a career, the importance of education. My mom, I don't think really ever said to me, you have to go to college. But the one thing that my mom always said to me was, whatever you do, invest in your education, because people can take everything away from you but the only thing that no one will ever be able to take away from you it's what's between here and here right what we have in our brain our knowledge is power so my mom was she i i always say god help me be half the woman my mother is to my daughter because she's always had so much wisdom you know she's never been the one to say you have to do this you have to do that but she just always spoke to me in a way that she gave me the ability to think of what were what are the best choices that I needed to make um and and yeah and my father too you know and I think for me seeing again like all the sacrifices that they did you know my father my mother Jesus if I come from humble beginnings their beginnings I could have you crying here I mean my mother oldest of eight having to care for her little siblings and you know for her birthday if she got an egg for her birthday, that was like a huge deal. So I saw these opportunities, like I'm in this country, I have an opportunity to go to college, I need to take advantage of this, right? Like, again, my parents sacrificed so much so that I could have the American dream. I mean, unless I would have been like Mark Zuckerberg back then and, you know, but that was not, that was not, you know, happening early 2000s like that when I graduated from college. So yeah, I, for me, it was just the most natural progression to success was being able to go in and, and go to college. And, and I was very blessed because I actually had a full ride. There was no way my parents would have been able to pay for, for me to go to college. And, um, you know, I've been hustling since I was four, you know, um, my first entrepreneurship job was my first signs of being an entrepreneur, should I say was at four or five when we got to this country, because I wanted to buy a gift for my mom. And my dad looked at me like, you're Five, you're insane. Well, how are you gonna get money? And I was like, I got this. So como buena colombiana, you know, I, I was resourceful. At five, I was hustling, oh, and then I got a bo- my a box, not the not, not my fancy uh, dining room table, but another box. Oh, and God. I put my dolls and I put my books and I went door to door selling them to my neighbors and saying, Hey, would you like to buy a dollar or a book? I'm I'm collecting money to buy a gift for my mom, and they fell in love and they were like, keep your doll, keep your book. And here's $5. There and, you go. And, and, and that's just, and you know, by the time I got to, to being 14, I, I knew I really wanted a sweet 15. Again, my parents, no way that they could have afforded it. So I used to sell candy um, in school and for a dollar, $2, 50 cents, I saved up about five grand and, and helped my mom and my dad pay for the, for my sweet 15. And so for me, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur just because I was exposed to seeing the fruits of my labor at such a young age.
0: Right, right. Fantastic. And thank you for sharing that story about the dolls. And that's very motivational uh, because a lot of students, a lot of young individuals, and a lot of professionals that are starting in their career, you know, especially with the situation that's been going on, everything kind of collapses and is closing in and, and they are lost. They don't know what to do. But you at a young age decided, okay, well, let's see, explore a different option, let's try this. And who cares if you failed? Who cares if nobody really wanted to buy anything? At least you gave it a shot. But you know, it worked out and that just proves a concept. So I've heard a saying, you know, fail fast and fail often to go ahead and prove your concept. You went into uh, the Florida International University and you obtained travel and tourism management degree. So why, because you were an entrepreneur at an early beginning, is that why you decided to go into the travel and tourism management uh, area, or how did that work out?
1: Yeah, no, actually, great question. And, um, you know, I went into it because in my high school, there was a program called the Academy of Hospitality and Tourism. And I joined the academy because I really, the teacher that was behind the academy, I had the opportunity to work with her through another project. Um, she ran the fashion institute for the school, and she also ran travel and tourism. And so I knew I wanted to choose her as one of my teachers. Um, and when I asked her, so what other, you know, um, you know, electives do you teach, um, paths of career do you teach? And she said, well, I do travel and tourism. And so that really um, triggered my mind because I was like, oh, travel and tourism, like I want to travel the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And literally like that's how it all got started. And I knew that through that program, they actually had a college accreditation. So by the time I graduated, I was coming out with college credits and um, the, the, the opportunities that it gave me. If you ask me about what is one Decision that I made that changed the course of my life forever was joining that Academy program because when I was in that Academy program um, People had heard the story that I'm sharing with you guys And so they asked me to come and speak at a fundraiser where all of the tourism professionals in Broward County, Florida were gonna be there and I had them all I was 17 years old They were all you know dressed in suits and coming to a cocktail reception to raise money for this academy and through the National Academy Foundation. And I went in and I said, everybody, can you please close your eyes? And I want you guys to all picture that tomorrow you all have to leave your careers, your families, everything behind so that you can go to China. Because let's just say that China's where the next dream is. And Mm -hmm. I had told them, open your eyes. And that's the story of my life. And that day, Mark Gatley, the general manager of the Broward County Convention Center, he was there and he came up to me afterwards and he said, listen, I'm really touched by your story. Here's my business card. If you need help with anything, college, your first job, if I could be of a resource to you, please reach out. You better believe I reached out like the next day. I sent him an email, I sent him my resume. And I told them I'd love to come do my internship with you guys because we have to do an internship in high school in order to to graduate from the program. I became the first high school intern at the Broward County Convention Center, and the lessons that I learned there, you know, to for the first time I was executing that career where I was dressing in a suit and and I was like, yeah, this is what I want. And and being exposed to people and working at the convention center, I was I thought I was like living the dream and. And then from there, you know, um, I finished my internship and he said, okay, you know, and, and he, he, he was really funny because I used to come to work every day in a suit and I was working with the event coordinators and I was like, this is amazing. I remember Twi Vong, she was my, my mentor at the time and, uh, and then one day he said, okay. You've done all of that now it's time for you to come in in, in black pants and a polo shirt tomorrow because now we're going to put you to work in the concession stands and i was like like i want my walkie-talkie like what do you mean concession stands and he said no you have to understand that if you really want to grow professionally and you want to become ceo one day or general manager or president you need to go through all of the different positions and you need to go through the trenches because then you will know what everybody on your team is thinking and then you will value everybody's job at a whole different level and i was like okay all right so louisa was ready to go and work in the concession stands <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here we go you know full circle back to selling uh, lemonade, back to selling uh, churros, back to selling potato chips or whatever actually you Right, eat, right, eat. right, 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 100%. Right.
1: Yeah. So,
0: you know, I want to go back to, to that, you know, when you actually told this I'm story. I'm
1: just going to plug in my camera really good, my sure. computer, I, I'm, I'm running low on battery.
0: Sure, so of I'm course, yes, you. yes. So, I, just to go back, I am here uh, to to refresh what she was saying. She actually spoke about, you know, branding yourself telling your story, being uh, b- being honest about who you are. And that in a sense, you know, made a connection. And she used that networking system to her benefit. Uh, Off of that, she followed up and she gave that gentleman a call that gave her the card. And she was able to go in and add value to whatever business he had. And not only that, you know, When you actually learn something and you are given an opportunity, you embrace it, you dive deep into it, and you take the mentor's advice and you work with whatever they're giving you and utilize it 100%. This gentleman had given her an opportunity where it was a tie-in suit, essentially. But in order for you to understand how business really works, You have to be in the trenches. You have to know how the other employees are working, the working conditions. You know, if you're a CEO and an employee tells you, hey, I need 100 uh, rolls of paper or bags to put popcorn in, and you've never been there, you're like, wait, 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 I don't understand what you're asking. You don't need that. But if you've been there, you know, like, okay, how many popcorns are you selling a day? You start asking questions and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Here you go. You can definitely advocate for that and make sure that nobody's really taking advantage of you, but you are also being humble and understanding where the other person is coming from. Thank you yeah. for sharing that wonderful story with us. So, my pleasure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you had great experiences and you work in other companies, but I really want to get to the creation of GTSE.
1: How, yes. did, that,
0: how did that come about? How did you decide to go ahead and develop it? And at what age? you started?
1: Yeah, so um, so after I graduated and all of that, I then eventually made the transition to New York. Um, I had what I thought was my dream job when I was working for NYC and Company, which is the official tourism and marketing office for New York City. I was director of Spain, Latin America, and the U.S. Hispanic market. And so I had the great privilege to travel the world, oversee six international offices in Spain, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, and Mexico, and the U.S. Hispanic market. And I was representing one of the greatest cities in the world, New York, right? And so one day I get approached on LinkedIn to come and um, they were looking for someone to build a tourism vertical department within the NBA um, at the Brooklyn Nets. And so I you know, saw that in our database that they were members of NYC and company. And so I was like, okay, I have to obviously be very thankful and gracious for the opportunity but I was honest. I said, listen, I love what I do. I'm really not looking to go anywhere. However, you guys are members of NYC and company and I can help you. And and there's so many strategies. And, and I'd like to learn more about the role so that I can help you find the right person. Well, it almost became like dating. The more I told them I was not interested, they're like, nope, we want you. (laughs) So another tip guys, don't make it show like you really want the job that bad because that like it was honestly like i was like i would love my job at nyc and company so my former boss um kirk king uh and and dan Lefton and and mike z they these these three men that i had the opportunity to work for um at the brooklyn nets when they interviewed me you know there were a few things that really um stood out one was that they had never had this position before and so in essence, what Kirk said to me, he says, I'm giving you a way You have the paintbrush. You get to draw this story. We can teach you everything on the sports acumen of it, but you have to come in and teach us how to do this whole sports uh, tourism thing. And I was like, hmm, this sounds like an entrepreneur opportunity, building a company within a company. Mm-hmm. So I said, this sounds very interesting. And then... The other thing was that it was a global opportunity. It was for me to be a director of global tourism development. And while I love my Latinos, I had already been, you know, director of Spain, Latin America and US Hispanic market for five years. I was ready to expand my wings and fly and go to Europe and go to Asia and Australia. And this was giving me that opportunity. So talk about taking risks, my comfort, I knew I could have retired from NYC & Company. I could have continued to grow there. But at the other hand, there was this huge opportunity that came with great risks. So I, you know, um, they were so amazing at NYC & Company. My my former CEO there, Fred Dixon, said, listen, Louisa, as much as we don't and what you have done and what you have accomplished and and really the way you have put Latin America on the map with our members and everything. I would be the most selfish man on this world if I don't let you take that money. That was deep. Mikiko, who was my direct report, same thing. I mean, she was like my best friend, my sister, you know, and we're still so close. and, And she said, I don't want you to go, but at the end, you have to fly. And so when I left, what happened was at IPW, which is the biggest tourism trade show in the U.S., they asked me to speak across all of the sports teams to share the importance of tourism and sports. And I said to them, I said, listen, guys, first of all, I know sports is super competitive. But when it comes to tourism, we are one big family. And we're really not competing against each other because think of it. Back then it was 24% of international travelers wanted to come to the United States to see a sporting event. That number actually increased to 38% last year. We won't talk about this year because of COVID, but we'll be we'll be back. Um, and then I said, if you have tourists that come from China and they go to Miami and they see the, um, the Miami heat and they have a great time, guess what they're going to do the next time they go to New York? They're going to want to go see the Knicks. They're going to want to go see the Nets. And so I said... If you guys need any help with anything related to tourism, you have a sister in Brooklyn, call me up and I'm here to help you. Every sports team started reaching out to me. On the other hand, all my clients were like Louisa you come from our industry. You've been in the tourism industry for 15 years. You understand the difference between working with groups and FITs, your independent travelers, and the way the, the chain works with domestic partners, international partners, online tour operators, receptives, etc. cetera. And they're like, we need more access to sports teams. Can you help us? Can you also help us get access to you know, other teams? And at that point, The light bulb went off and I said, the sports teams want help. The tourism industry wants them to, you know, to be connected to them. I said, this is my opportunity to build a company where I'm bridging the gap between both of them. And that is when um, Global Tourism Sports and Entertainment, GTSC, um, came about. And I actually launched my company uh, January 8th of this year.
0: Okay, fantastic. Congratulations for that. So yeah. you're launching this company in a year, where there's a pandemic, and yeah. for the audience that is listening, you know, right now if you listen, uh, it's 2020, and you could be listening five years from now. And I wish uh, that Luisa's company, GTSE, is doing great. I'm sure it will be. But how are you dealing with that situation now that you? jumped off a job safety security you're essentially a ceo and you had this idea of going in full throttle but covid essentially stopped a lot of the sporting events because there's no mass gatherings the tourism slowed down a lot what exactly
1: Ah, completely stopped
0: okay so what are you doing and how are you dealing with this in a in in a positive note
1: so I think the three key words is mindset pivoting and diversifying mindset right I could sit here and thinking oh my god what's gonna happen I actually tested positive with COVID-19 and got really sick when this first started around March 15th or so So the fact that I got COVID-19, the fact that I almost felt like I was dying made me realize that if I wake up every morning and I can open up my eyes and I can put my feet on the ground, I am, I, I have won half the, I have won the biggest battle. That is all I needed to, you know, to, to go forward. So that's kind of centered me to know, listen, everybody's going through a hard time right now. Everybody. however. What are you going to do about it? So that's why I say the second big word there is pivoting. Understanding that if things are not working right now in a certain way, what could I do to look at my business through another lens? And how can I, how can I pivot? How can I reach a new audience? So my COO, Tim Carter and I, um, we are both um, working on a um, short-term pivot that's gonna impact our long-term goal and we're using this time to connect with our clients in a much deeper way um, you know listen the reality is our world was going way too fast no one had time for anyone or anything now the world has come to a pause guess what people have found time And we can all sit here and now we're using these Zoom calls and Google Hangout calls and we're connecting and I'm sharing my story of how I got COVID-19 and how I'm a survivor and and just putting out content and and being truthful to my story of what happened and helping others. And so that pivot of, okay, what are we going to do now if tourism takes about a year to come back? if sports takes you know a while to come back so we have something that we're cooking that that is in the in the frameworks and then the third thing i would say is diversify diversifying your portfolio is so key because while i am ceo of GTSE global tourism sports and entertainment i also realize that guys i can why not the 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 opportunities are endless and so i am signing new contracts i'm signing new deals i'm working on passion projects um i just got you know a contract to be on a on a show to be a, a, a producer of a show that um you know i i'll release more down the line maybe you can bring me back to your show about oh, that
0: fantastic um
1: but really like take this time to diversify, to think of exponential solutions, right? Uber, uh airbnb tesla all of these guys were disruptors so i'm in a disruptive mindset what can i do to change the game not let the game change me and diversifying your portfolio like that's key open up your network linkedin i love it you know you post something you put c- certain hashtags so people start liking you and the the way the algorithms of linkedin connects you i posted an article right before covid 19 of jeff bezos The world's richest man in the world who his stepfather was a Cuban man that came to this to to the U.S. at 16 with three shirts, three pants, three sets of underwear and one sweater that his mother made with rags. 40,000 views. And in no way am I trying to say I'm an influencer or anything like that. But to have gotten 40,000 views on that video and the comments and, the, and, and just the, the floodgates that that opens, um, that's where I'm like, yeah, diversify your portfolio. And I've been attending conferences. I'm actually attending a conference right now that's taking place for the next two days. It's called Well WellCorona, um, WellnessFair.org. And um, tonight I'll be doing a whole presentation on um, uh, how to diversify and how to pivot your business in these critical times
0: right so pivoting diversifying and you know and and the mindset the positive mindset those are key items to have during anything and not just during this pandemic but throughout your whole life you know just being (laughs) able you know having a routine uh getting up in the morning opening your eyes you mentioned it being grateful being grateful for what you have just you know that works and that's that that essentially sits your your mindset into a positive tone. And as Luisa said, that is already half the battle. The little wins that you start accumulating throughout the day actually make you win that day. And if you win the day, you win the day after. And if you win the day after, you essentially win the week. And if you win the week, you essentially win the month. And then you essentially accumulate more months and you start winning the year. And that mm-hmm. starts building on itself and it becomes a massive snowball. And I think that's what Lisa is trying to say here, you know, start with the small stuff and start winning and start setting goals for the audience. you if you've been listening to a couple of the episodes, I continue saying, you know, be grateful and set goals for yourselves because Absolutely. sometimes we're just, we're just essentially going through the motions and we're not really thinking about what we want, what we ultimately want to achieve, but also, revert back, slow down and be grateful for the small stuff that you do. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much. Um, so any major obstacles that you've encountered as you actually decided to go ahead and, and venture off on your own setting off GTSE? And how did you overcome those?
1: Right. Well, I mean, first of all, let's, uh, let's look at the reality. I'm a double minority. I'm a woman and I'm a Hispanic female. And when you look at sports, it's a male dominated industry. Primarily, a lot of Caucasian men run sports in the United States. And I almost love that challenge because it gives me an opportunity to stand out. Um, It always happens. I'm typically the only woman in the room. Um, I'm definitely almost like the only Latina in the room. And I have embraced that because men probably don't know what to expect when they see me come in into a room. And when I give my pitch deck, you know, I start with my story. Actually, it's part of my pitch deck. I share how I got to this country. I share the sacrifice my parents did. I share my passion for sports and tourism. I share how we're going to revolutionize sports and tourism has been marketed. And by the time I finish my presentation, I have these men in tears. And so I think they're not used to seeing the emotional side because it's all like so sports, 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 and it's so manly. But I always, and I joke a lot, I say, listen, men say that women are emotional. No, I think it's the other way around. Put a whole bunch of men in front of a TV on a Sunday afternoon and watch what what happens when their team loses or or when they make a touchdown. That is way more emotion than us women. So I don't wanna hear that. And, and so I use a sense of humor. I use being genuine of who I am and I use my story to connect with people. And so if I had to say that it's been a challenge, um it's probably the challenge that most people would have told me this is going to be your challenge because i have come in with the notion that i am going to leave a legacy that i am going out to open up doors i have a 10 year old daughter who's a remarkable human being not because she's my daughter but just last year she shaved her head completely buzzed her hair was down to her waist and she shaved it to give it to kids with cancer Mm. And, and again, I think she sees that anything is possible. My first board meeting, I said, oh, I, we were getting ready the night before for the next day. And I said, honey, I really wish I could take you with me to, to my advisory board meeting tomorrow. Because I want you to realize that you can do anything you set your mind to. She said, mom, you're the CEO. Why not? <laughs>
0: <All right. laughs> and
1: and exactly. she called me out. And I was like. Yes. You're right, I can totally make this call. And she was right there, she was in the boardroom, she was right on my by my side. I had a whole slide just for my daughter, the hero that she is in my life, how she shaved her head and and the most, you know, that, that selfless, uh, selfish act of love, like there was nothing selfish about her, like wanting to donate her hair, like that was just genuine love, like to say, I wanna make a difference. And so, yeah, I think it's all mine and perspective. I mean, the other biggest challenge right now is COVID-19. The fact that I got super sick and almost passed away and and that our economy has, wow, taken such a a hit. But again, it's mindset. I don't think this is gonna last forever. I think eventually it's gonna come back. I mean, people are wanting sports more than ever. I think once we have the vaccine, Once, you know, we have, I do believe there's going to be a world pre-COVID and after COVID, just like 9-11. Before 9-11, everybody just went to the airport and got on a plane and boom, bada bing, that was it. After 9-11, security measures. Pre-COVID-19, no no medication. After after COVID-19, I think there's going to be huge sanitation guidelines. Um, And so we're going to have to adapt. And that's been one of the things that my father has always instilled in me is adapt. Adapt and always be ready to change. If you have a mindset that you can change and that you can adapt with change. So I have been doing research, talking to teams, talking to the tourism industry, really becoming an expert in so much of this information so that i can one share with others to be an inspiration because i could look at it and say oh eight million people in the united states are going to lose their jobs in the tourism industry i'm always like i'm going to have amazing talent that i can hire from if all of these people are going to be unemployed right? right so Again, I think it's that mindset, but those would be probably the two biggest challenges that I've had and, and definitely I think that the gender gap, I'm, I'm there and, 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 and I'm, I'm letting them see that women are just as capable, if not more, um, and that we bring a different twist to the table. And then COVID-19 is, we're gonna get past this. You know, My line has been, together we will prevail.
0: Awesome, together we will prevail, and that is true. What would, what would you say the biggest benefit uh, you provide your clients and or the public by your organization and what actually sets you apart from all the other promotional media uh, entertainment and sports corporations
1: well the great question thank you for asking that so i work b2b i work with right now with gtsc although we're working on something else that eventually is going to come to the end consumer um just because we're pivoting it a little bit but My original mindset was when you go on to Expedia, when you go in the world, you go to a travel agency because believe it or not, overseas, many people still booked or traveled through a travel agency. Um, And it's so easy to buy a hotel. It's so easy to get an airplane ticket. It's so easy to find attractions, but then you want to add a sporting event and you have you don't even know what's legit what's not you can't add it that easily and so my goal is to work with all of the tourism partners with all of the online tour operators which are your expedias of the world and also work with the tourism industry i'm the middleman i'm not working with the end consumer so that they can actually both i can be the middleman linking both of them so that you the end consumer when you're traveling You can say, I'm going to Madrid. So here's my flight. Here's my hotel. And oh, I'm going to add two tickets to go see El Real Madrid, right? Mm. That is my ultimate goal is to make sports accessible because let's face it. I don't know if you're a sports lover. I think you are because when I say sports, your your, your face just brightens up. But I love sports because to me, sports connects, sports unites. Sports is the one place that you don't need to know the language by anyone around you because you're all screaming and you're all having a good time. And when I was working for the Brooklyn Nets, they used to say my clients used to call like Nets with Luisa because I go crazy, like wow. I'm jumping and screaming, and I'm like, oh my god! But at the same time, I think that's what unites us: sports and and for us, for for our company, it's it's sports, it's tourism, but it's also connecting communities. We want communities to come together and we want to make an impact and we're committed to to giving um you know to, to helping nonprofit organizations and 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 just you know we, we want to make an impact in this world.
0: Right. No, that's fantastic. And you know you mentioned connecting communities. Connecting communities not just locally but you mentioned tourism global global communities other individuals that are coming over to immerse them into the experience of interactive sports at a local level of individuals that are coming from spain or europe or britain somewhere over there over to the united states to actually have that whole feeling of what going to an NBA basketball game or going to a major league baseball game would be, or going to a football, American football game would be. So bringing those communities and having them experience that here is an awesome experience that you're trying to bring and showcase the individuals. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, you, do you have any type of advisory network that has helped you along the mm-hmm. way? How uh, can you tell us about the network that you kind of build along the way that's actually been supportive of you developing this idea for g t s e
1: Yes, absolutely, so remember that man I told you at the Broward county convention center my my first mentor he's still my mentor um twenty years later you know he's still my my raw. i call him my angel in a business suit so um he's he's a second father to me. Um, I also built an official advisory board, so I have um, different advisory council members on that um, that give me different perspective. You know, um, everything from the legalities, the branding, the marketing, the outreach. Um, because let's face it, it's so critical to have an advisory board, an advisory council, a sound board of people you can run ideas through. You know, what I think might be great when you get the perspective of four different people, it's like, hmm. And so my COO and I, um, that was one of the first things we did was we wanted, before we even announced the company, launched the company, we wanted to have an advisory council that we could actually um, really have a sounding board. And uh, it's been phenomenal to have an, Advisory council. I have uh, Julia Pimsler. Um, she is the, the author of Million Dollar Woman. Um, and she was like my rock. You know, she this woman helped me when I told her I wanted to build a company. Um, she said, Great, you have two weeks to write a business plan. I'm like, Are you insane? I'm like, Two weeks to write a business plan? I'm like, I'm a mother. I have to fly. I have to take care of my parents. She said, if I don't give you two weeks, it's going to take you two years to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have two weeks and get it done. And just remember that perfection is the enemy of done. It's not going to be perfect. And you don't ever want it to be perfect because if you're stuck in one way, guess what's going to happen when covid 19s of the world come, you're not going to know how to pivot. So make it that, you know, you're, goal, your plans, but be ready for anything to pivot at any time and she was so remarkable I have Darren Walls with Bortos and Travis Knowles um, who is an amazing executive here in New York City, he um, helped put together Empire Outlets and their whole tourism development the first outlet mall in New York City which is in Staten Island Um, and and, and they have been an amazing advisory council, I also have two members that are silent members um, one that helps me on the legal side and and one that helps me on the financial side
0: fantastic and how did you start for for the audience Uh, how did you start because sometimes the audience says well you know she's got this great set of network individuals and she worked with the tourism and industry she knows a lot of people so obviously she's going to have a great board of network and, and a great board of advisors what would you suggest for individuals who are just starting how will they actually start building a network that will benefit them? What yeah, advice sure. you provide? That's
1: a great question because I'm always building my advisory mm-hmm. council because I heard actually on the seminar that I'm attending that we should also have our own advisory councils mm-hmm. for ourselves and so I think when you are um, starting out, you know get involved, go to presentations. you know Mark Cuban always says the best investment you can ever make is the investment you make on yourself and And when you put yourself out there and you go to conferences, whether it be a Tony Robbins conference or a, a summit that's you know has a lot of powerful speakers um, guess what? These people are people you can connect with. And when you find an affinity for somebody that you admire, that you um, really can appreciate, um, being bold and saying, listen, I respect and value what you're doing. I would be honored to have you be a mentor, be an advisory council to me. Um, I would start out by saying I'd love to have one-on-one a one conversation um, just to hear your thoughts on some of the things I'm working on and build that relationship and you'd be shocked how many people out there are so willing to help because guess what many of us if not all of us someone gave us a hand and that is the thing As, uh, as I know we're wrapping up at the top of the hour here my mentor Mark Gatley he said to me, when I was 17, I asked him if he could write a letter of recommendation for me, and, I, and, and he wrote it, and I was in high school, and he read it, and he goes, is this okay? I go, are you kidding me? You're like the general manager of the Broward County Convention Center. I'm a high school intern. Of course, anything that you say is okay. It's like the, the angels have sung, right? And so I said to him, I go, Mr. Gatley, I just don't have words to thank you for your help." Like, thank you so little. Like that word is so little for what's in here. And he goes, I only asked three things of you. One, never forget where you came from and those that helped you along the way. Two, pay it forward. He bought me the movie and I cried. Wow. And I was committed. I started a mentoring foundation in in my in my at FIU. I graduated from Florida International University. And I've always been committed, my goal is to help minimum of one to two people a year achieve their goals. If I can do that on a personal level, I feel so gratified because that was his command to me. And guess what, all those people that I help, I only ask them, help make sure that you help at least one other person every year. So I, I give them, I try to do the pay it forward here in this world. And he goes, three, if I ever need a job, would you hire me as a security guard? And I'm like, you're GM and I'm a high school intern. And he goes, I get it now. Of course, this life does too many spins and turns. Those that are here today could be down here tomorrow and vice versa. So I, um, yeah, that, that, that's been, so yeah, just reach out, like read, get, get, listen to podcasts. There's two podcasts, Three podcasts that I live by. One is Tony Robbins because I love the people he interviews. Mm-hmm. Two is uh, Oprah Super Soul Sundays, and then the third one that I absolutely love is um, Jamie um, Joe Martin. Um, she has the Why Not Now stories of people that were like, "What What was your Why Not Now?" And so, hearing these podcasts will just inspire you and and. As you can see, I love to read, I love to just inspire myself Uh, there's a great book called wisdom for the young ceo that i bought when i was like maybe in high school um and it's a little boy that did a project and he wrote to all the fortune 500 ceos to say if you had one advice for a ceo what would it be and so he compiled all these letters and he has all of this advice from all of these ceos so it may be that you have one-on-one relationships and and have that advisory council but listen i feel like i talk to oprah every day because she's always on my podcast and um and these are some of the ways that I nourish my mind, my body and my soul and and, and put positive people in my life. And, And again, it's attracting, right? It's the law of attraction. I wake up and I say, I'm going to meet someone amazing today. I have met more people in these last two months stuck at home than I probably have January and February when I was out because I've been on so many Zoom calls. I've met hundreds and hundreds of people through different seminars. So the fact that we're home it's an opportunity to get to know more people because more people want to be connected now more than ever.
0: Exactly. And not only that, they have the time because their busy schedules cleared up. And just to add a little bit to what you said, you know, uh, for people and and three things that I want to add. Um, So people think like, "I, I don't, I don't know how to reach out and network. Well, you have LinkedIn Open up a LinkedIn account, you know, and one thing that you said, perfection is the enemy of getting it done so don't do it perfect just go jump in and start figuring that out and reach out to let's say you want to reach out to Tony Robbins follow him and comment on his content or reach out to Luisa Mendoza and follow her comment on whatever post she says and then say hey you know I'm interested in connecting she might say no or she might not even reply but you don't give up there. You do persistence, persistence, persistence. And all of a sudden you will be like, well, this person's really commenting a lot of my stuff. So I'm going to reply back. And when they reply back, you got them in the hook, reel them in slowly. And you start asking questions and you start throwing it out like that with them. I another think that's thing,
1: how we connected, right? Exactly. Uh, yes, that's, yes, that's how exactly. we're together today.
0: <laughs> exactly. And another thing that you mentioned, you know, it's like, okay, so maybe reading, reading is not something that, at least for Latinos, for my experience, is not something that we're, we're culturally told uh, to go ahead and pursue. So a lot of us shy away from a lot of books, but reading should be something that you start doing for your own pleasure. Find books, take recommendations that Lisa said um, provided to you and go ahead and and look at the book look at the reviews see what she recommended also the podcast that she recommended take a listen to Tony Robbins to Oprah Winfrey listen to those individuals they have a lot of experience and a lot of their key success stories so go ahead and listen to those individuals also to success innovation obviously but um of
1: course course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh I do have a couple more questions too. As a matter of fact, what do you think? Do uh, you believe your superpower to be at this point? I mean, you have a lot of things that you do. You're very mm-hmm. communicative. You're very entrepreneur. You're very, uh, you know, innovative. So, what do you think your superpower would be that you can share with us? And if you don't think that you really have a superpower, what would you choose from any superhero and why?
1: So, I think the superpower that I have right now is my positivity. I think, again, someone who was told that before I've been fighting before I was even conceived, because I'm like, I'm going to come into this world, right? I wanted to buy my mom that gift for Mother's Day. I wanted my sweet 15. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I got COVID-19 and it's like positivity. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I always say, the bigger the test, the bigger the testimony. And being positive right now, I think has so many doors for me because so many people are in a fear factor. And matter of fact, uh, one of the great books that I'm reading right now is, um, again, I, I really surround myself. I think books are everything. This is my, the one I'm reading right now, Be mm-hmm. Fearless. Um, and by Jean Case, Five Principles for a Life of breakthroughs and purpose and so i think that's my superpower that being fearless and positive
0: being fearless that anything and positive. is possible thank you thank you for sharing that with me you've obviously been very successful and you have achieved a lot from perspective of an outsider watching you you have risen through the ranks from being a full-on immigrant to actually going to college getting the american dream having a family having a fantastic job in forming your own corporation. But right now, what would you say your definition of success is?
1: Success is knowing and doing your 4 a.m. And what I mean by that, Kobe Bryant, may you rest in peace, That's would right. wake up every morning at 4 a.m., right. jump out of bed with a smile. It was no pain. Because 4 a.m., he got to do what he always wanted to do, which was play basketball. Find your 4 a.m. Because when you find your 4 a.m., you don't snooze 10 times. You jump out of bed with excitement. You jump out of bed to get going and do what you love. Because I'm a firm believer. If you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. And that has been my biggest thing. You know, I've been following Kobe and especially after everything that happened with his tragic death this year. I think he leaves us such a huge legacy of someone that was such an outcast, how hard he had to work to prove himself. And yet finding his 4am, I am, that has been my, I always say to myself, if I'm not jumping out of bed at 4am, then I need to reevaluate what I'm doing
0: right and then you know once again we go back to being grateful for everything every morning when you wake up be grateful for what you have and find your 4am essentially and tackle the world with that positive mentality thank you for sharing that positiveness and this is a bonus question for you i this i really enjoy this question a lot of every guest and this one i want you to go back in the time machine get in the time machine and go back to that 12 year old individual, when you're essentially you know, at that crossroads going into high school and trying to figure out what you want to achieve in life. And you're not sure in the future is certainly an uncertain path, but you have all possible goals, everything is possible. If you had about two minutes of going back to little Luisita, what would you actually say three pieces of advice that you would share with her right now?
1: I would say, focus on you and don't worry so much about what others think about you. Um, I would say to her, spend more time and focus your time, not on voice, but on books. <laughs> I think I tell my daughter that all the time. I go, leave dating. you have the rest of your life. Don't even think about boys right now. Um, and I would say to her, treasure each moment more with your parents. Um, because I feel like I've been going so fast. Um, and again, I was so worried about just going so fast, right? Like I've always been on this timeline, like graduate, get married, have a kid. And it's been because I've had a timeline of my parents because my father and my mom are so much older. So I would say to her, don't live your time on others' clocks, live for your life, live for you, appreciate them, value them but don't go through life so fast trying to make them happy because be in the moment, be in the present, enjoy the moment with them now. And don't put yourself through these crazy timelines that sometimes maybe we, because we're working so hard, we don't get to spend that quality time with them.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Luisa, for this wonderful piece of advice. Thank you for doing an interview with Success Innovation with me. I definitely commend you and acknowledge you for all the hard work that you've been doing. I thank you deeply from the bottom of my heart for the advice that you share, for the story that you shared, and for the branding of the story that you're trying to put out there. And the portrayal of Latinas in the U.S. in trying to put the name of Latinas and Latinos all together in a higher pedestal. Thank you so much. Thank you to the audience for listening to another wonderful episode. Thank you so much. My name is Lazo Herrera from Success Innovation. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you so much for watching and listening to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. In this episode, I was so touched by that visual um, story about you know how she ate breakfast uh, and how she was eating arepas at one point and then then the next morning how she was eating cornflakes or cereal as she mentioned it was a, such a touching scene that she painted Luisa Mendoza the founder of GTSE is such a wonderful communicator i am so happy that she was able and willing to participate and to allow me the honor of interviewing her for this wonderful opportunity of an interview for success innovation i hope you learned a lot as i did myself this has been last for success innovation i'll see you next time bye-bye